0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: HN Podcast, I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace. Magazine season, college football magazine season has arrived, and this is the annual time where we begin to tip through, the, through those tulips a little bit and talk about what they have to say about Iowa, the Big Ten, and other. And Street and Smith, Athlon, and Lindy's is who we will be discussing today. What I find interesting, Steve, about um, – Phil Steele's magazine, is that it seems like his comes out later as time goes on as opposed to earlier when everybody else – and you know what? I think he's reached a market position where everybody wants to get his magazine, and I think he just wants to have it as updated as possible because a lot of people that like to get down and gamble – Uh, like to pick up his magazine and and use it as a reference throughout much of the year. But yeah, he's going the other way when everybody's, uh, doing it earlier. I think
0: you're exactly right. And I think you're, you're right even for the reason that you chose. And I think this is even more prevalent this year in that, um, we don't even have all of the win totals yet for all of the college football teams. And if you look at the timetable that we have typically had, is by Memorial Day is when we get the the opening lines, um, and and they get those out Memorial Day. Uh, it's not for all of the teams in, de, in in the FBS, but for the the major conference teams, and that's when I've always put out my initial best bets. And uh, for the last two years, I've done that, and I've gone eight and three in those eleven picks. This year, they've only put out uh, win totals for about. 25 teams, and it's all the big-name teams in Boise State. I've got a couple of best bets in there already for this for this year. But all of these, the rest of these teams, normally you and I are doing the podcast where I'm predicting what the win totals are that we always do and how quickly, how, how much I can guess what the market says. Right. And then we make our own picks the next week. Well, I think what has happened is th- those win totals are not out yet here. We're almost to the end of June. And I think what's happened is with legalization happening all over the country, Bill Steele's magazine is going to set the market on a lot of these things is what I think is happening.
1: Um, yeah, I I could see, I I could see, I could see some of that. I I also wonder if, um, just because of the legalization throughout many states throughout the country that these guys are, you know, it's been fun and games for a while because to place a bet in most areas, legally, you had to be in Las Vegas right. to do that. Or right. I don't even know if you could do it in Atlantic City or not. I know you couldn't in Vegas. And, and that means you have to get out there. You have to have a buddy go out there. So they, they know that, by and large, there's not going to be a, a large handle on that aspect of it. But now, there will be. That's a good point lot of, And you have a lot of these casinos, a lot of these sports books, that are out there scrambling, trying to create relationships with, say, you know, Prairie Meadows or Wild Rose Casino to be their official, you know, bookmaker. And they're out there scrambling doing that. So the handle's gonna be a lot larger. So I think that they're sharpening their pencils and dotting their I's and crossing their T's, henceforth the uh the lateness and getting the, the information. I think that's a good point too.
0: And And then I also think now that it is nationalized, that there's not uniformity. And you've got what they call in sports handicapping. You've got more outs, meaning more places that you can shop to get a favorable line. And I'll give you an example. So probably the biggest on-the-strip bookmaker in Vegas now is what's called CG Technologies. And then probably the – what's that?
1: Canner Gaming.
0: Yes. That's what it is, yes. Yeah. And then probably the biggest sports book in America is FanDuel. Because what FanDuel has done is they've gone into all of these states that have been done legalization and said, Hey, you don't want the overhead of managing all this and you want this to go mainstream like fantasy football has. So why wouldn't you just legal put it, you know, link it with fantasy football and take away the stigma that I've got to go down and I've got to, you know, uh, navigate 9,000 clouds of, of cigarette smoke from grandmas who are dumping their social security checks in your slot machines one nickel at a time, when I can just do this from my phone, you know, out in the suburbs, real sophisticated and enlightened-like, like like i put in my fantasy lineup. And so FanDuel's is running a lot of these new states, uh, their, mm-hmm. their sports handicapping operations. And so I'm looking at a lot of – they put out maybe more lines. CG Technologies and FanDuel have put out more of the win total lines. And one of my best bets is FanDuel has a line on Michigan State with a win total of only seven and a half. My numbers show that's that's more than a game under where their market ought to be. And my win total has them at nine. So you get a game and a half difference with a big-name team like that, with a coach, with a track record, I'm taking that. I'm going to take my chances on Mark D'Antonio's track record particularly the way he has been known to bounce back after disappointing seasons, I'm going to take my chances on that. And and so you've got more market means there's more variance and more places for if you do your homework. And see, a lot of people won't do that much homework. A lot of people don't put that much effort into it. Most people are casual. Most people are emotional. I want to play my favorite teams, things of that nature. And that's why they're all, even though guys like me um, who now, who, uh, uh, you know, Bet DSI has labeled a sharp, um, even though guys like me have more places we can go to get more of competitive um, odds. The general public's not going to do that, and they're still going to make they're going to print money off of those people nationwide.
1: Well, this is also a big year for Stevie the sharp because <laughs> you crushed the NCAA at large last year, you destroyed football. And the last third, once you calibrated your basketball teams, you destroyed that. You know, I, I, I've known you for a long time. You've done something different. I don't think that it was a fluke. But I think in fairness to everyone else who's listening that maybe have some proclivities to get down, a lot of people are going to be watching Stevie the Sharp this year just to see whatever formula, whatever analytics that you've arrived at that helped you scale those heights last year to become a, a bona fide Sharp. If you can do it again, and if you can do it again,
0: you're on to something. Well, I'll tell you this. I've already given Kurt Schilling the rider dies for week one. I, I've already done it. Mines that are out for week one, my, my numbers have um, uh, USC favored by way more than 12 against Fresno State and Missouri favored by way more than 14 at home against Wyoming. Those are my two rider dies. And Week zero, there's a couple of games now. I think Louisville-Duke is, is going to be played week zero along with Florida and Florida State, which is in only 66 days, by the way. Um, but uh, the next week is the fo- first full week one, and so I've already given Kurt Schilling my ride or dies for week one are those two games. Now, I want to warn people, and you know this too from having done this, you know, with me, even when I just did it casually for fun. I always start out, I typically start out slow and get much better as the season wears on, and the reason why is because, you know, everybody has their strengths and weaknesses, you know. I mean, when you and I were growing up, remember those power hitters that, They'd have like five home runs at Memorial Day and they'd have 40 at the end of the year when the weather got warmer and they kind of got warmed up, you know. Um, now everybody's, you know, training year round. So you don't see that, that that often. I'm better at adjusting. I know this may shock people because I'm pretty dogmatic with my overall worldview, but I actually evolve pretty quickly to circumstances. When I see I'm wrong on something, I don't stay with it. I move. You just have to show me I'm wrong. You know, I don't go into an argument assuming I'm in the wrong position, otherwise why would I have it? And so early in the year, I'm <laughs> really I mean, yeah, why do I go, hey, I don't it's think this, let's argue it. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah.
0: I go into a season, I'm really beholden to what's in my preview. Because I spend three to four damn months working on that thing. And so where my preview is turns out to be really right, I'm, my picks are really good those first couple of weeks. When it's really off, it's not. Okay? And and it takes a couple of weeks for the season to play out. For more data to come in, for me to see, because here's the other thing, too. I don't want to overreact to week one either. You know, we always used to do that, too, right? You don't have games for nine months, so we're going to all have dramatic, you know, thoughts of what the season's going to be after we see a game for the first time in nine months. So I don't want to overreact to week one. So that doesn't mean, that means if I get a few wrong off of what I'm projecting in the preseason, I don't want to automatically assume that the narrative I had for that team, that season was gone because that could just be one game as an outlier. But you give me two or three games, and I've got enough data to see, hey, do I have a good read on this team going in? No, then I need to change what I'm thinking. That's what I did in college basketball. So I got off to a hot start in college basketball. For the next two months, I sucked. And so I sat there and I looked at it, and I thought, what am I doing wrong? And I realized what I'm doing wrong is I'm assuming that the lines are as tight as they are in football, and they're not. There's too many games. There's 330 teams. They're all playing 2 to 3 games a week on average. They simply can't have as tight of lines as, as that as they can for 130 college football teams that play once a week or 32 NFL teams that play once a week. And so not every line is clever. There's more more times the line is not a trap. It's just wrong. And so I started going by my own data. My I actually started trusting my own observational abilities with these teams more. And the la- and I made that move in, on February first, to give myself a good you know start date for 30 days of data, I, my, I, I improved from 46 the, percent for the season to 50 to about to, or, or about 40 percent for the season to just over 50 percent heading into March. And then when we got into March and it was good on good, and so these are all the teams I've watched the most. I mean, I I, I picked an angle on every, at least one angle on every NSA tournament game, all 65 games, no 67 games. When you include the playoff in, or actually it's 67, so it's two play, or four play-in games. So what is that? 70 games? So I played at least one angle on every game, including the play-in games. I got 73% correct documented. And so that's where you have to learn. You know, you've gotta, you've gotta, you know, you to, here's the thing about this. You have to be smart. And then, you know, you've gotta be, uh, you have to have the spirit of humility. Meaning you're not, you don't go in there weak. But you have to be willing to admit, am I wrong about something? And then, am I wrong when I, you know, do I know why I'm wrong? Because you can sometimes get the right result, but if you don't do it right over time, you get regression to the mean, if you know what I'm saying.
1: I do. I I just texted you the name for your website once you really take this to the Sharpie land uh, next year. (laughs) <laughs> um, don't, don't read it out loud because somebody will go buy it and then they'll hijack you. So I've got your name for you uh, and it is available at GoDaddy. So That's- let's jump in. Uh, Street and Smith's, uh, Street and Smith's magazine has been around a long time. It's Street, Street and Smith Athlons and Lindy's have been around, uh, quite a long time. What does Street and Smith's generally have to say about Iowa? Well, you're right.
0: It's been around for a long time. It was one of the originals and it went away. And then the the parent company of the Sporting News bought the brand, and and this became instead of the Sporting News College Football Preview, it they brought back the name Street and Smith. So it's the same format, font, layout, like everything. It's just called Street and Smiths now. And of those three that are now out, um, this is the most pessimistic about the Hawkeyes. It has Iowa pegged for sixth in the Big Ten West. Now,
1: moving on to Athlon next.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Let me say this to be fair. I'm, I'm putting together my final data numbers to lay out my preview, right, as we speak. And my wife's out of town this week, so I've got a lot of downtime. And my, one of my kids is at a camp. My other kid's an adult who works and doesn't care what I think. So, And then my son's staying at his grandparents. So I'm diving. I'm head deep. I'm full immersion baptism in my preview right now. I'm going to finish it this week probably, or at least the layout of it. Let me say this, that in, in what I have with my spreadsheet right now, laying out unit by unit, factor by factor in the Big Ten West, there's, there is, uh, there is total about 11 points of a difference between first place and sixth place in this division.
1: Well, what's, what? so, but, okay, 11 points, if every, I mean, give, give me some context for what 11 points means. In so right for,
0: now. so for example, the way I do this, um, and, if, and I do it for every Power Five conference, and I include Notre Dame with the ACC because they play five of their games every year against that league, so that's almost half of their schedule, all right? And and so the way I do this is every position group, quarterback, running back, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line, et cetera, gets rated depending on how many teams are in your conference, and I rate you compared to the teams in your league. Why? Because everybody's playing about 75% of their schedule every year against the teams in their own league. And so... Um, that's really what's more relevant than everything else. It's really not relevant how good Ohio State and Michigan are in our league compared to o- Alabama and Clemson. It's really relevant how good they are compared to themselves and the rest of our league. Because if, if, if they're not good compared to those teams, they're never going to get a chance to measure themselves against those other guys. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I rate every team's position group uh, based off of how they compare with the rest of the teams in the conference. And since there's 14 teams in the Big Ten – Your quarterbacks, if you're the best, 14. If you're the second best, 13, 12, right on down the line to one point for the worst. And then I have your coaching, where you're at on my coaching hot board. And then I have where your depth is, meaning where you rank in my total team talent ratings. So that's included as well. And then the final factor I have is your conference road schedule, meaning the teams in your league, you have to play away from home. And that difficulty, based off of, you know, what your traditional or what your level of personnel is in, in, this, in this particular year. And so that one's a little bit more subjective, and I do that so that it becomes – we break some ties. Right now, as it stands right now, I have Iowa and Minnesota with the top two scores in the Big Ten West. They are one point away from one another. I have Wisconsin with the sixth best score in the Big Ten West. There are 11 points behind. So what does that look like? Right now I've got Iowa with 94 points and I've got Wisconsin with 83. So what that really tells you is that there are six teams in this division that are one turnover prone outlier game, pro or con, away from either finishing, either going to Indianapolis or finishing in sixth place. That's what that tells you.
1: Yeah, we've talked about the potential balance, um, for the last several months. And I think in the case of both Iowa and Wisconsin, um, if their road schedules were, you know, uh, you know, ha- if Rutgers, uh, or if it was just, a, I- Iowa's got a very difficult Big Ten schedule. We've talked about that at nauseum. I think Wisconsin, correct me if I'm wrong, their road schedule in the other division, Uh, Their their other division schedule is lights out tough.
0: Yes, and here's the thing I also found with an interesting trend. Since we went to the East-West in the Big Ten, every team that's won the West, with two exceptions, escaped playing two of the three between Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Escaped playing two of those three. And Mm -hmm. one of the two exceptions is in 2016 when Wisconsin only had three losses. And they were to those three teams. They swept the West division, lost to Ohio State and Michigan in their, in their crossover games, and then lost to Penn State in the Big Ten championship game. Okay. So what that tells you is that outlier, here's why that matters. That outlier, it just doesn't count because, you know, one of the games was in the Big Ten championship game. So what that really tells you is your chances of winning the West when you have to play two of those three are, are, you're going to have to overcome the odds to do that. Who are the teams in the West this year that doesn't play two out of those three? Minnesota doesn't. Northwestern doesn't. And then I think there's Nebraska doesn't play two out of those three.
1: Mm. All right, so they have – Street and Smith has Iowa six. Who do they have going ahead of them?
0: Well, um, virtually everybody. But, again, they have it really close. They've got Minnesota fifth. So Street and Smiths has the teams, the top two teams with the, the the highest scores in the West Division. They have them finishing fifth and sixth. They've got Wisconsin fourth, uh, Purdue third. Uh, I'm sorry, Nebraska winning the division. Purdue second, Wisconsin third, um, and then Northwestern fourth, Minnesota fifth, Iowa sixth. But if you read their write ups, all of these are really close.
1: Yeah. So where, w- when you dive a little deeper into what they have to say and write about Iowa, did anything stand out to you that you kind of shook your head at and like thinking these guys don't really know what they're talking about or was everything pretty much on the nose?
0: I thought it was pretty boilerplate because um, the way Street and Smiths is laid out is very similar, like I said, because it's the old sporty news. If they have you in their top 25, then you get, you know, two full pages of analysis and extra graphics. if they don't, then you just get one page, you know, and so they don't have Iowa in their top twenty five. So their overall analysis of, of the Hawkeyes is pretty is pretty boilerplate. It, it's it's something you and I could have written pretty much, you know, either the day after the spring game uh or spring practice ended or maybe even you know the day after NFL early entry deadlines is basically what they have.
1: Well, considering that a lot of these are typically written by people that cover the beats, I have no idea who wrote it. So um and I don't want to know. Um that way I can make comments and it won't be tainted by personal biases, whether I like somebody or maybe not the biggest fan. Uh anything else you want to add about Street and Smith's for Iowa here? You
0: no. Know, um I thought it would it's a good magazine, but let me tell you, I want our audience here to realize that um uh, I know Bill Bender at the Sporting News. A little bit, And he's their new Tom Dean Hart. He's their big college football guy. And so even though Bill Bender is the college football writer at the Sporting News and this mm-hmm. is and Street and Smith's is really what the Sporting News preseason magazine used to be. He mm-hmm. didn't do their rankings or predictions. And I know this because I just had him on my last episode of Michigan podcast going over his predictions. And he pointed out to me on the show that the predictions in the magazine, he has his own separate predictions. So, so a staff separate from him put those together. And since he's their big, you know, like Andy Staples at Sports Illustrated, Bruce Feldman at The Athletic, since he's their big college football writer, if he didn't do their predictions at Street & Smith's, I, I don't know who did them then.
1: Right. And they just give it to an intern. Uh, next up, Athlons. Athlon is, to me, that was probably the magazine as a kid that I sought out read more often than not, seemed like it was the earliest. I think I was attracted to the layout and design of it uh, early on uh, as a kid. What do they have to say about Iowa?
0: Boy, Athlons is really up their game, John. You know, what? we used to love Athlons when we were younger because it was always the first one out and you were jonesing, right, you know? Yeah. Now it's the first one out, and it's great. And, um, you know, the, the team they put together over there, Brayden Gall and some of the guys, they do fantastic podcasts. Uh, Mitch Light, um, him and him, Mitch Light and Brayden Gall do a fantastic college football podcast year round. I think people that listen to us would really like those guys and they really do their homework. And now I was a little upset because this year they got rid of their they're not doing any conference magazines anymore except the SEC. Everything else is national. And so I'm like, yeah, OK, here we go. Right. But when I saw it in the store and looked it over, I was really impressed. Essentially, what they did is they put everything that was in the the conference magazines are all in here. So this magazine's like almost 400 pages. It's like it's like the old. Remember the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook when yeah, we were younger. It's like that, but it looks better. You know. So imagine. Go ahead. It's that thick. Yeah, it's well oh. over 300 pages. Yes. Wow. And it's it's really well done. And you know what I also loved about it. I think I told you they started doing this last year and, you know, for our people listening to us all along know that my preview is really a forecast based on how the season is going to go. Last year, Athlons started doing that as well. And this year they went all in on it. So this preview is how they forecast the season. And it's, it's really well done. Um, and they've got even all the conferences. So, you get a chance if you didn't, couldn't afford, and who was going to spend ten bucks to buy ACC, Pac twelve, every single one of those. You know, sooner or later, it's you know, you're up to a hundred bucks. You get a look at um, what those magazines, if they were still producing all of the conference records or conference mags. So mm-hmm. you don't just get, you know, we're going to go over the anonymous coach coach quotes for bigger ten in that podcast. Well, now that they've combined this into one magazine, I'm reading all the anonymous coach quotes from the SEC, the ACC, the Pac twelve. The Big 12, from even the even the Group of Five leagues, you know. So if you're wondering, you know, if I, you know, I has got a Group of Five opponent, and you're wondering, hey, what do the coaches in that league think of that team? You can go in there and read it. I mean, this magazine, it's fantastic. It, it it's really well done. And ter- from you know, there's not as many as there used to be. And I have and Phil Steele's isn't quite out yet. It comes out in a couple of days, but he's got a high bar to clear to be better than this magazine. This is clearly. The best football magazine of the of, 20, of the of the of the 2019 preseason so far. Uh, they've got Iowa number 18 overall in their rankings, one uh, to 130 of all the uh, FBS teams, one spot ahead of Wisconsin. They've got the Hawkeyes finishing second in the Big Ten uh, West, uh, tied with Nebraska for six and three in the Big Ten. So that means they think Nebraska is winning the game in Lincoln on Thanksgiving weekend. And then that game essentially is winner take all for the trip to Indianapolis. So they've got Iowa nine and three overall, which means they also have the Hawkeyes beating Iowa state and then six and three in the big 10 and finishing. Cause this is a forecast like mine, not a prediction not a, you know, preseason assessment. They have Iowa finishing number 18 in the final polls with that record and resume. Mm.
1: Mm. What do you think about Nebraska? You, you think it's it, everyone's just being a little cute? Do you think it's legit? A legit possibility. I don't want
0: to hedge here, but I think it's a little of both, and here's why. You know, remember we used to used to listen to Phil Steele, and he would say, "Well, my numbers say my computer says this, but I'm going against my computer." He used to say that sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. and, and because you know, computers can't really computers measure data, algorithms and formula. They 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 can computers can measure the the latent trend trend trendliness of human nature, what human nature is likely to do in the situations based on what it has done before or what it has the ability to do now. What they can't really measure is alterations in human nature as much, meaning situational. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those are called outliers and data analysis. And that's where guys like a Phil Steele. And that's where me in the political world. That's where I used to make my money is. Is, you know, anybody can be a pollster if they know how to acquire data and weight it properly. You really, are you a forecaster? Can you look at that polling data and poke holes at it and say, here's the trend line it's missing because this is going to happen, you know, next month or next quarter or next year. And the polls haven't measured that yet. All right. And, and that's when Phil Steele would say, but I'm going to go against my computer. And that's kind of where I'm at with Nebraska. My data says they're a year away. They have one of the highest percentages of their talent score in the youngest two recruiting classes. They've had an incredible attrition in the oldest classes. But here's where my instinct says here, that they have, that they could live up to the hype one year ahead of schedule. One is the schedule. They've got the perfect non-conference road game at Colorado. It's a revenge spot. It sounds tougher than it is. Colorado's down. They just brought in a rookie head coach. Mel Tucker from Georgia. He's never been a head coach before. Uh, celebrated defensive coordinator putting in all new systems. That's a perfect road game. You go away, It's against another power five team, a team you used to have a rivalry with. You've got a revenge angle on them. You get a big win on the road and all the data loves road wins, but the teams you're playing is really not that good. Okay. I love the way their schedule sets up. They even get Ohio State at home early. My data shows there are there are there are are two full recruiting classes behind Ohio State, but now you're playing them with a new coaching staff. They're playing them on the road for the first time. This will be Ryan Day's first road game. Remember, the two games that he coached last year were at home. The third was at a neutral site against TCU. So that game at Nebraska will be the first time he's taken a team on the road. And that environment. I mean, if Nebraska wins that Colorado game, and they come into to uh, to Lincoln undefeated with Ohio State coming in, dude, that environment's going to feel like it's, you know, 1998, you know? It's going to feel like when Frost frickin' played. So, mm-hmm. you know, c- could, could you steal a game in that environment? Yeah, you could, particularly with the rookie head coach and a new co- quarterback that didn't exactly show off in the spring and how young Ohio State is in some areas. So I love the way their schedule sets up. We already mentioned they don't play two of those three. And then, I mean, they have the quarterback. If he can, st- I-, I thought in the spring he looked like a miniature bench young. When I say that, I mean in terms of his physical stature. He doesn't have that kind of athleticism. That's once-in-a-lifetime stuff. But, I mean, in the spring, I saw a young man that I thought could take some pounding. Now, if he has to run it as much as he did last year, he is not surviving for 12 games. So they've got a little bit of better talent around him, and he doesn't have to run it as much, but he can be healthy to run it when they absolutely need him to. So I think that's the difference maker. To me, you know, with Adrian Martinez – I could see Nebraska going anywhere, depending on his health and their schedule, I could see them going anywhere from 10 and 2 to 5 and 7 because what's behind him is a gaping void.
1: Hmm. Lastly, you have Lindy's. What do you think of Lindy's this year? I, I, by the way, you, that that's as, that is as complimentary of any magazine you've ever been other than Phil Fields.
0: Yeah, Athlon's really brought it, man. They did. Um, Lindy's I've always loved too for the, it was the first one I ever bought. First magazine I ever bought Lindy's 1988 college football preview. I still have it here in my uh, man cave in one of the milk crates where I have my old magazines I've kept. And the reason I kept it is because the, the feature I, I got it when I was at uh, uh, Michigan basketball camp when I was in high school, my sophomore year, heading into my sophomore year. And I picked it up. I picked it up, you know, to read on the road trip and the, uh, the feature they had in that magazine, I'll never forget it. They called it the Florida Triangle, and they were predicting that in the next decade, Miami, Florida, and or that Florida and Florida State would also win national championships like Miami just did in '87, and that all three of those Florida schools would win national titles in the next ten years, and that abso- actually that absolutely happened. Okay, Bowden finally got okay. his with uh, Charlie Ward. Florida won theirs uh, in 1996. And I just thought it was so cool, you know, to be able to forecast something like that. And so Lindy's isn't as good as it used to be, though, but the one thing that it does have, the news and notes package it has called Scoping the Nation.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, if you if you want a really good survey of the college football world and you got an hour to kill in a Barnes and Noble or something, and you want to get away from the summer heat, just go grab the Lindys you know and, and read the Scoping the Nation section that's always really really well done. Now in terms of where they have Iowa uh you know um let's see I'm looking at it right now it didn't have a prediction. Uh nope. you know cuz I'm looking at it have a
1: magazine and have a magazine without a prediction. Yeah well,
0: I skipped ahead to the team page. Go ahead. I'll find the, the ranking.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Lind- Lindy's to me, a, a lot of what I remember from that was a magazine that they had the, uh, the cheerleader feature and things like that. And I just kind of never felt like that was an essential, essential buy for me whenever that would put the magazine. I was always just Phil steel, Athlons. And then, you know, back when we had the shows, I would go to the rest and just get the rest because what the heck else are you going to do in June and July. But, um, I've never been a huge Lindy's guy. All
0: right, so here's here's Lindy's. They've got Iowa winning the Big Ten West. They have them 14 in their preseason poll. And uh, their final call.
1: And I've always loved Lindy's. <laughs> uh,
0: the final their, their final call is the combination of veteran quarterback play and a strong O-line will allow the defense time to develop. But a tough schedule, including cross-division games at Michigan and versus Penn State, might mute accomplishments. Still, Iowa looks like the top pick in the West. They have Wisconsin right behind them at 16. Um, let me see who else they have uh, in the West. So they've got those two teams in their rankings pretty close. Uh, they have – in fact, there's a ton of Big Ten teams here at the bottom part of the top 25. They've got uh, Michigan State 20, Nebraska 21, and then they have Iowa State Twenty third, so those are you know several. of Those are teams that factor into what uh, what Iowa has planned to do this or what Iowa hopes to do this season.
1: Yeah, that's pretty. I mean, that, that's a strong schedule. Again, I mean, how many teams, ranked teams, does Iowa have in Lindy's rankings? Is that five? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's and they still have them that high. That's pretty strong. I I I, I think Iowa has the best balanced. Team, offensively and defensively in the division. I think th- their their offense may not be the best, but it's in the top third, um, or it's 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 in the top half. Their defense is maybe the best, and I just think when you add up the core of what they can do offensively, what they can do defensively, I don't know if anybody else has that. But the schedule, when you go back to that first magazine, the Street and Smith, how. Or no, when you go to your rankings where you have mm-hmm. that very narrow gap between number one and number six,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if Iowa had a Iowa schedule the last several years, Iowa would probably be your pick by a game and a half to win, to win the division, if not more. It, it wouldn't be so jumbled up, but Iowa's schedule is going to be a bear.
0: Well, here's where I, this is also where I think Iowa style of play playing a schedule like that hurts it with a veteran team. And I think the style of play Iowa plays with, with the younger team that it had in 2015 that shocked everybody by going undefeated helps it. And here's what I mean by that. We've seen a season like this before, and it was, um, it was, it was 2000. What am I thinking of? 2010. Is that the season I'm thinking of? Um, Mm when all those they brought all those guys back and went seven and four when you when you play when you play when you have the veteran team that has the overall balance like you just described because my personnel numbers say iowa when i just factor in personnel okay and i and i take away the um and the coach rating doesn't really matter because i've got kirk ferentz and pat fitzgerald so close together with paul chris that it's six and one half dozen the other, when we discussed that a couple of weeks ago on my hot board. So when I just look at personnel and I take out the conference road schedule factor and my spreadsheet, Iowa is clearly the superior team in this division, which backs up. So my numbers agree with what you anecdotally just kind of analyzed. Okay. Mm. This is why I think when you play, though, a system close to the vest, it can hurt you. And the reason why is because... You're going to leave teams these teams that you're better than. You're going to leave them in games. They're going to hang around. I don't think, you know, we don't really know. I'm going to throw Northwestern out because I'm not sure what to think of Hunter Johnson because, you know, the players in the media there in Chicago are really building him up, and Pat Fitzgerald is, like, tearing him down. And that leads me to believe he's damn good, and Pat Fitzgerald's worried about him getting, to, you know, too big of a head, so he's coaching him up a little bit. So let's take him out because it's not often that a five-star quarterback – we don't get a lot of five-star quarterbacks in the Big Ten, period, um, let alone in that division. So let's let's take Northwestern out. Let's go to a team like um, Wisconsin. Now, they have a highly decorated freshman quarterback. He wasn't a five-star in Graham Mertz, but he was a guy that had about 50 scholarship offers. He was number one on Michigan's board in the last class. So – if you're telling me when, when Iowa plays Wisconsin, that Graham Mertz has to put up 24 points to win. If, if there's enough effectiveness with Jonathan Taylor and a turnover here or there, he can do that. If you're telling me he's got to put up 31 points to win against a Phil Parker defense, I'm not as confident. You understand what I'm trying to say? Okay. Mm-hmm. Likewise, if it's a younger Iowa team that, you know, is really under, under, un, Unheralded like the 2015 team, and you're telling me if I to go and win in Madison like they did that year when Iowa when Wisconsin fumbled on the goal line, what did right. they win that game with like fourteen points or something if I remember right okay And six was it even less scoring than that All right could they could could that team as it was constructed right then could they have gone into Madison and won the game
1: twenty
0: eight to mm. twenty four you, you know what I'm trying to say, and right. so um I, I will be fascinated to see how Iowa navigates that. And now, the, and the problem you have is, you, is also you don't really have, you know, you could really shame them for what happened in 2010 because of the weapons you had at the skill positions, particularly on the outside coming back. You don't really have that this year. It's been a weak position for Iowa for years. You just lost two first-round tight ends. And so you're not really sure where the big play potential comes from. And it's probably going to take a couple of weeks for that to get established. Um, and, and so that would be my concern as an Iowa fan is do I let, do I let Minnesota beat me 20 to 17? Where if Minnesota needs to beat me 28 to 24, they probably can't do that. I, that's, that's what I would be worried about if I was an Iowa fan.
1: Yeah. I'm really interested to see if, um, Iowa, I mean, Iowa's running game last year certainly let him down, and actually, Iowa's running game hasn't it hasn't been a house of fire for a long time. I think it'll be better, but I I, I think the pool of talent that they have at wide receiver may allow them to uh, try well, maybe try to do some things they haven't done in the past. But you know what? Lucy's pulled that football away from me too many times. I'll believe it when I see it.
0: Now, the uh, good news playing that Iowa State team is that's the best def. My numbers have that's the best defense in the pe- in the Big Twelve easily. Like, I kind of thought it was until I started looking at the – I started compiling the data. But my numbers have Iowa State has arguably the best – the two best defensive linemen returning in the Big 12, um, the best linebacker returning in the Big 12, and the best safety returning in the conference. So you have Eyesworth at safety. You've got um, uh, is it? Spears is who I'm thinking of Is the linebacker. You have Lima and Jaquan Bailey, who seems like he's been there forever. I mean, those are four. I mean, Eyesworth is the returning defensive newcomer of the year in the Big 12. My numbers say those are four of the six or seven best defensive players returning in the entire Big 12 conference. Now, I know the Big 12 is not a good defensive league, but it is still a Power 5 league. And I can't, I don't, you know, the idea that Iowa State would ever return that amount of talent on that, on that side of the ball um, is just foreign to me. Here's why that's good news for Iowa. That'll give you a good look heading into what you're going to face in the Big Ten. Um, You know, you're going to have to come up with some matchups and some looks to try to generate some big plays against that Iowa State defense, and that'll be a good measuring stick for, you know, what awaits the next nine weeks after that.
1: All right, that'll wrap up this installment of the HN Podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.